Welcome to the Beyond the Box Door Podcast. This is your host, David Kaplan. In this episode, I interview Coach Jen Hoover. She's the head women's basketball coach at Wake Forest. Coach, how's it going? Great. Coach, want to give yourself a, a brief introduction to our listeners? Yeah, Jen Hoover. I am uh, the head women's basketball coach, Wake Forest University. Uh, also, uh, I'm an alumni of this amazing place, a 1991 graduate with a major in communications and have been coaching after a one-year short stint in the pro ranking over in Sweden, uh, too far away from home. So got right into the coaching, hung up the sneakers and grabbed the whistle instead. So, oh, you, uh, You're an amazing player from what I recall and obviously being rewarded with a coaching extension recently. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, I, there's no place I'd rather be and to have the belief and the confidence of not only the administration, but everyone, you know, everyone on board. It's, it's been kind of a fun couple of weeks here with just all the reach outs and congratulations and signing a new five-year deal and knowing I'll be here through 2026 uh, at least, and hopefully even longer than that. I hope to be a lifer. (laughs) Coach, talk about growing up in Roanoke, Virginia, and did you always gravitate towards basketball? Well, I grew up the youngest in a family of three. I have an older brother and older sister. And so whatever sport we were playing it. So I played T-ball, soccer, uh, probably could have played football with my brother, but didn't chose not to. Um, softball, basketball, uh, a little bit of everything. Uh, when I was eight, I wanted to play basketball, but you had to be nine for whatever reason to play on the rec league girls league. So I just played in the boys because you could be eight and play in the boys league. Um, and then the next year I was able to switch over and play in the girls league, but, you know, just always was playing sports, really active in our church and, and, and also just with, as a close family, like we did everything together. So, um, you know, I've always been a member of a team or a family, and that's kind of what, what, this, what I thrive in is being around others and, you know, not only helping them, but them helping me. So that's okay. where I stand today. <laughs> and talk about your recruitment. That was a, that was a, you know, first of my family to go through anything like it, uh, really hadn't even thought about playing in college when I was in high school initially. And then, you know, as I started to garner attention and get first letters and, you know, hearing from places all over the country, um, was kind of obviously flattered and humbled by it a little bit and just like, oh my gosh. And, um, I was the first in my family to go to college. So I, you know, that was a big deal to us and my family and, you know, pretty much knew that everyone who knew me knew that you might as well drive a, draw about a two hour radius and anything further than that was probably going to be too far from home. Um, and so it really came down to Wake, Virginia, JMU and Virginia Tech. Um, at the time, Sheila Mormon was the head coach at, uh, at JMU and they were a top 20 powerhouse in women's basketball. Obviously, Debbie Ryan was at Virginia and a top power, you know, a top power in basketball. Virginia Tech was actually in the Metro. Carol Alfano was there. And then here at Wake, they were in the ACC, but they were still, you know, hadn't become a, a power program. And Coach Joe Sanchez was the coach here. Um, and so I, I really looked at those four is where it came, came down to my decision making. And I really looked at JMU and Virginia Tech only if I could play both volleyball and basketball. I got recruited to play volleyball pretty heavily as well, but knew all along volleyball was just something fun to do, you know, kind of spend some of my time. I was always, like I said, always on a team and competing. And so when I think it was, JMU's basketball coach coach said, no, you can't play volleyball. And Virginia Tech's volleyball coach said, no, you can't play basketball. So that eliminated both of those. And it came down to Wake and Virginia. And, 
you know, I just knew from the time I walked on campus and the relationship I had with the coaches had been here to team camp and Lisa Stockton was our coach at team camp. And, you know, it was just the right fit for me. It's very much a, a community and a connected feel when you're here on campus. And that was where I was comfortable and, and, you know, nothing against Virginia. Obviously I went there and worked later and, and worked for coach Ryan and they had great years when I was here. And those were my biggest rival games as a player. Cause growing up in Virginia, that was who I wanted to beat worse than anybody, but um, you know, a ton, a ton of respect for their program, but you know, this is, this has always been home and will always be home for me. Christy Winters played at Maryland, Andrea Stinson yep. at NC State, you know, two of the forwards who were in the ACC during your time at Wake. Talk about going up against players like well, that. Well, and Christy, it was Christy Winters and Vicki Bullitt. I mean, they were a one-two punch inside from Maryland, who was a top program when we were playing against them. And, you know, Christy to this day and I, you know, still stay in touch. We run into each other across the women's basketball world. I was up at the Mystics training camp a couple of years ago, and she's always covering the Mystics. And, you know, just great to see her and see what she's done. But we had some great battles. She was a finesse athletic player, and Vicky was more of the physical and beast kind of player. And they were so complimentary of each other. And, and you know, when I came on the campus, you know, I knew that I was going to be going up against some pretty, you know, top talent in the country and just was trying to figure out where, you know, where was I going to fit and how was I going to battle these guys. And, you know, I was blessed to have some teammates that really took it hard on me in practice, really turned me into a more physical player than when I got here. Um, and it stayed actually Sharon Manning and Rhonda Mapp were the two that I banged up against, you know, Stinson played kind of the three for them. So I never touched anybody it was outside. Um, and Sharon and Manning and I actually ended up over in Sweden together. She was, we weren't on the same team. She was in, in the city of Stockholm and I was in a suburb outside and we used to meet and go to the movies sometime, sometimes during that year we spent over there, um, and had some great heated battles with them. And of course the great Kay Yao, who I had a, the utmost respect for the way she ran her program, the integrity she brought to it, the life lessons she taught, um, that, you know, really touched me and impacted my life in, in so many ways. And I hope to, you know, kind of leave that legacy behind as well. You know, Don Staley was another legend playing at UVA. You never got yep. you get, never got caught in a cross matchup with her on a ball screen. <laughs> probably, I probably didn't win that matchup though. Her and Tammy Reese, and then the Burge twins. So, um, you know, and, and you know, it, they were Final Four teams for three. Audra Smith, who I actually coached with at Virginia a couple of years, was on those teams. I have a picture of me playing against Virginia in the ACC tournament. Um, you know, a lot of great memories, so many great players, and now a lot of great coaches have come out of that and you know it's 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 so fun to kind of still reminisce and you know, we were walking out in the NCAAs from testing to back to the hotel and you know Don still you know will speak and say hello and you know good to see you Jenny you know that kind of stuff and you know to watch what she's done and impact she's had on South Carolina and and kind of the powerhouse that she has just built there from the ground up has been fun to watch and you know, I'm glad they're not in our league, <laughs> um, but always pulling for her and excited for the Olympics this summer with them. So a lot of fun rivalries for sure. That, that's one of the things that I think makes made the ACC when I was in it so special. There was only eight teams and we really played everybody twice. And it was, you know, everybody was a rivalry. And now because of the way our league has expanded so much, you don't necessarily have those those tight knit feelings because you most teams we only play once and so the second time is the time you play them in the ACC tournament so there's not quite as much of that um, adjustments and, and X's and O's scouting that kind of play into it as much as it did when when we played. Absolutely and Randolph Childress Ronnie Rogers were freshmen during your senior year. Oh yeah. Wake Forest is a small school which I like what do you remember about those guys? 
Rodney, the, from the time he walked on campus, we used to, I, I jokingly said this and we, and we all did, we called him tree trunk because his, his quads, his thighs, his legs were just like, they were like these big tree trunks. And we had a freshman show up last year, Demira Hines. I, I just told multiple people, she's Rodney Rogers, like watch. And like, as she developed throughout the year and she's still got such a high ceiling, everyone comes back now and is like, you're exactly right. <laughs> You know, and Randolph, I mean, he's, he's been around here. He's, he's, you know, he has been a part of what Wake Forest has um, been able to accomplish in basketball through many years. And, you know, we miss him now because we don't, I don't see him on a day-to-day basis. Whereas I used to always see him one of the most competitive guys I've ever been around. Um, glad he's getting a little chance to do some golfing now. Um, but, you know, ran into his son the other day and he's, you know, all about getting ready and going back overseas and was asking, you know, just how the girls were and how the team was and was excited about what we did this year. It's just a family, you know, you know, when you talk about Wake, whether it was when you're a student athlete or a coach or whatever, again, everybody kind of knows everybody. And so you just, you know, you're, you're always looking out for each other and kind of checking up on each other. And while playing at Wake, you remember the ACC academic honor roll led the Deeks, their only NCAA appearance in, in 88. Were you able to graduate on time since you've continued your career in Sweden or, and you know, talk about that. Yeah, I graduated in four years. Um, you know, then it was pretty common that you did. I went to a couple summer schools, nothing like regular, um, and then graduated with my class and decided I wanted to try the overseas thing. Most people didn't think I would last because it was so far away from home. And uh, But it was something I definitely wanted to say. I gave a try and, and didn't want to have any regrets and felt like basketball-wise, I definitely had the ability to. And, and the basketball part was great. It was all the rest of the time over there that you just didn't have anything to do. And I actually was very blessed. I had a family take me in and almost as if I was an exchange student, they had four young kids that, well, high school age kids that had done that, had been to the States for an exchange student. So they, they kind of gave, you know, they gave back and, and did the same thing for me. And that's probably what saved me over there. Other than that, I would have been so homesick. I'm not sure I would have made it. Uh, but the basketball was great. You know, the, the pace of the game, how quick it plays, that all played in my favor because I was known to be a, you know, a post that could outrun other people up and down the floor. And over there, you know, there's not all the stops. The, the officials don't have to touch the ball as much as they do here. Every time a whistle is blown here, the official has to hand the ball to somebody over in Europe and stuff. It's, if you grab it, you just grab it and go. So it was such a much, much, you know, it was even faster paced game. So I, I loved it, but I needed it to be here. <laughs> so if the WNBA was around, when you were finishing your college career, do you think you would have played pro longer? I definitely would have tried and hopefully I could have made a team, you know, whether I could have or not, I'm not sure, but I definitely would have tried. Um, and I think, I, you know, if I could have played and gotten on a team here in the States somewhere and, or I jokingly say, if I would have been in a warmer weather country, cause I am very much a warm weather person. I'm not a fan of the cold. I don't like the snow. Um, but I knew Sweden was going to be a really a country where most people are going to be able to understand me. I wasn't going to stick out like a sore thumb. Actually, that probably paid, was probably a little bit of a disadvantage with the blonde hair and the tall. Everybody thought I was Swedish. So they just started talking Swedish to me, but um, it was fun. It was a great experience. It was a key. I think it was really key in my development, just as knowing you know, in college, if I had a bad day or had a, you know, a, a great, a test coming up or my sister had joined, went to the air force when I was here at Wake and went to, was shipping off to the Philippines and, when all that hit me, I just called my mom and dad and they were like, well, we'll be there in two hours and they take me to dinner and then they go home and I was ready for them to go home by then. But, you know, in Sweden, I talked to my mom five times the first day, like she couldn't come take me to dinner. And I, you know, that was a big deal to me. And, and I just think, you know, figuring out that I was going to, I could do it. I was going to be all right. It was that next step in the development of after college, like what was next. 
Um, and it was a great experience. We saw a lot of, I saw a lot of the world that I would have never seen. Um, and, you know, and that that's continued on throughout my coaching career to us going to Italy a couple of years ago. It's just basketball has opened up so many opportunities that I don't think, you know, I would, I'd even imagined, nor, you know, do I think any of my, anyone in my family, my parents came over to Sweden to watch me play and, you know, they would have, they'd never been out of the country before. You know, you started your career at the University of Missouri, Kansas City in, in 94. Did you have a prior relationship with the head coach? And what was that first moment when you realized, like, geez, this coaching thing is not easy? <laughs> yeah, Dave Glass was the head coach. And um, when I was growing up in Roanoke, I used to go to five-star camps at Radford, where Charlene Curtis was the coach. And Dave Odom ran the five-star camps. And Gino Ariema was a counselor. David Glass was a counselor. All these people were counselors. And, and David really, he was the assistant coach at Virginia Commonwealth University at the time, VCU, and he had recruited me really hard, but I knew I, you know, Roanoke Girl wasn't going to downtown Richmond, Virginia, nothing against that. Some people like that. I, I knew I was going to go to a campus where I was going to feel like it was very much a campus and not a, a city. And so um, just a great relationship with him. I still credit him for teaching me how to shoot a jump hook. Um, and then when I got back from Sweden, I decided to go to the final four when it was in Richmond, the year Char uh, Carolina won it and Charlotte Smith hit the, the shot. And I, uh, my roommate from college was an assistant at Louisville at the time. And she had told me, just come on up and stay with me. And so I ran into Dave there and he was like, well, what are you doing now? And I was like, well, I just got back from overseas. I think I'm going to try to get into coaching. And, you know, a month later he called and had a grad assistant spot open and that was kind of the beginning of it for me. And I went out there for a year as a grad assistant, took, you know, four classes of graduate school, um, was also the, one of only two assistant coaches. So I did everything. I did video, I did travel, I did academics, you know, all the stuff that now you have all these different people on your staff that handle just video or just travel. And, you know, and you know, I, I still am really thankful and grateful for the opportunity I had because I had my hands in a little bit of everything then the second year, um, the full-time assistant got moved on. And so I was named the full-time assistant. So I didn't, didn't finish my master's, just didn't have time because it was so time consuming to take on that responsibility, recruiting coordinator, all that kind of stuff. And then Dave, Dave got the chance to come back to VCU and be the head coach. And when that happened, Lee Hunt, who was the AD, brought me in and offered me the head job at UMKC. I was two years into coaching. One year as a grad assistant, one year as an assistant, and was like floored that he would even have the faith in me to kind of turn a program over to me at that point and just felt like I'm not ready for this. Like still flattered, ultimately loved working there, loved, loved him as an AD, um, but just wasn't ready and, and decided to take the opportunity to come back with Coach Glass to Virginia back towards home and uh, went back and worked with him for two years there at VCU before kind of getting stole away by a former teammate of mine here at Wake, D, was D Gibson at the time, got the East Carolina job. And then she offered me and, and took me down there with her to East Carolina. And so that's kind of how the whole flow went initially. And you talk about going VCU and then East Carolina, JMU. What do you remember about that WNIT final four run, JMU? Uh, that was phenomenal. We had a great, you know, Bud Childers was the head coach I worked for that year. I learned a ton from him, just an X's and O's strategy guy. Um, we did a lot of really neat things that we've been able to carry on. Sometimes our, depending on our roster, how we do them or not, but you know, we, I had Nadine Morgan, who was a longtime assistant coach at Purdue, uh, just recently got out after having a child. 
Um, Shayna Price was one of our, you know, we just had a great squad. We had a little guard from Australia. Uh, we had a point guard from Australia and a little guard from out West coast. And, you know, we just had nice pieces to the puzzle and, you know, we, we had a great run. We ended up going up to Ohio State, Ohio State and getting beat at third place in the semifinals. Um, but it was, it was a great experience for me and one that then I was able to parlay onto when we were at Cal and we, and we beat Miami in the NIT championship game. You know, it was kind of the same thing, being able to go through what we went through with there and learning from that and kind of trying to carry that over and learn from those. When did you find time to get married during all this moving and working? Well, I met my husband on the road recruiting, <laughs> so he's still on scholarship. We like to joke okay. him say, but I often remind him it's one year renewable, <laughs> um, but he was a junior college coach out at New Mexico Junior College when I was at East Carolina, and I never spent a lot of time recruiting junior college kids just because I had been at a lot of high academic institutions that are very limited with that access, but by our other assistant, it was during their regional tournaments, and so we, we all went different directions, and so I ended up meeting him there. And then just as a coach, we were recruiting his point guard, their point guard a little bit. He was an assistant and we just started talking on the phone. And then all of a sudden we kind of figured out two hours into phone conversations. This probably wasn't just coach courtesy. It was, you know, more getting to know each other and that kind of stuff. And so long story short, he moved across the country, gave his career up and um, it's kind of been a stay at home dad slash run her, our 15 year old, anywhere and everywhere. Tonight, they're at Reagan High School's baseball state championship game. They're in the first first round of it in Burlington, took two of her girl, little girlfriends with them. And, you know, it's it, it's been neat because one of the things that's hard in coaching is the time away from family and having a daughter that I didn't want to be raised by strangers or by nanny or by an outside person, having a husband who was okay with being able to take her and do running, running her around. And then me being able to be there as much as I can. And them kind of navigating that with me was key for me staying in this profession for as long as I have. And, and I think that's important for our, our, our young ladies to see is that you don't have to give up one for the other. You can do it both. And it, and it, yeah, you make a lot of sacrifices, but I wouldn't trade the relationship my daughter has with our players for anything, because I don't know that other, some other kids have that opportunity. They don't see the workings of a team like she does at times. And, and so I think she's learned a lot from it as well. Interesting. You know, Memphis hires you in 2002. You're, then you're able to get the opportunity to return to the ACC as an assistant at Virginia. Talk about how difficult it was to leave a basketball driven city like Memphis. <laughs> well, Memphis was, was, was fun. I had never been really out that way besides when I was at Kansas city and Joy Lee McNellis was phenomenal to work for. Talk about a family, a mom, a coach, a mentor, Christian, like she did it all, checked every box there was, competitive, pushed kids, disciplinarian. Um, there's, her top assistant was Blair Savage Lanston, who's also to this day an extremely good friend. Um, and, and it was just a great opportunity to go out there and learn. And, and John Calipari was on the men's staff when I was there. Derek Rose was one of the players, John Wall, all these guys and just watching we used to go over and watch them practice some and, you know, learned a lot again, but there's, there was, no, there was always an end goal to get back to Wake Forest. And obviously I thought I need to get back to the ACC and, and build some rapport there. And, you know, Debbie Ryan would tell you, she, you know, I finally saw the light and went to Virginia uh, after choosing Wake over them to begin with. And she, you know, she, she's great. Uh, wonderful to work for, learned so much from her um, and had that opportunity to be there. And, and then just, 
you know, take in a lot and learn about the, the league and the differences from what I had been and where I had been to getting into the ACC and what that looks like. And, you know, so many great experiences that have kind of led me to where I am now. Were you able to attend your induction into the Wake Forest Athletic Hall of Fame? I was. They 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 were able to work it out. It was during, I don't even remember when it was, it was now exactly, but I can't, I was able to come. Um, Maggie wasn't, she was a baby. Um, I have pictures of it. And then my, my, all my family was here. And then my husband's family was able to come in as well. So, you know, it was a big deal. Ron Wellman was, you know, the one that inducted me and, you know, such an honor again to have that opportunity to get inducted into the hall of fame and, and still be able to, you know, now be here representing us in another way. And you talk about being on Debbie Ryan's coaching staff at UVA. You're there four seasons, become one of the Cavaliers recruiting coordinator uh, for your last two years. Talk about being able to sign players like Monica Wright and Ariana Moore. Oh, I love Monty. Still talk to Monica. Um, you know, excited for her. Now she's a mom. And I think she was one that when I was there was when I had Maggie. Um, and so, again, it was kind of a chance to show somebody like that, that she could be a coach and still have a family. Uh, great players. You know, Ariana reached out recently. She's been, she, she's had a long time pro career, but I think she's looking at kind of hanging up the shoes too and kind of getting into this side of it. And so trying to kind of mentor her a little bit on how that looks, what are her options, those kinds of things. You know, it's when you're at these institutions like a Virginia and Awake, it's so refreshing to be able to recruit young ladies that are not only phenomenal basketball players, but they're also very motivated in the classroom. And that's something that I'm very comfortable with. Um, you know, I do believe there's a correlation between if you're a hard worker in one area, you're going to be in another area. And, you know, that, that's been uh, very refreshing. And, and most of my stops along the way is to be able to recruit those high achievers, if you will, those that really are, <laughs> some of them are perfectionists, which is, you know, it's, it's tough in its own way and in different ways, but um, it is definitely a part of uh, where where my comfort zone is in coaching and dealing with the, the phenomenal young ladies I have the privilege to work with every day. You know, if you didn't have enough miles on your car, like you talked about, you went to Cal Berkeley, you know, you went from Memphis to Cal. Uh, they won the WNIT championship during your three years on staff there. Did you have an idea that Coach Boyle would be in the mix for UVA if and when it opened? Um, I thought, I mean, I thought she might, you know, she's from the Philly kind of area. You know, she had spent a lot of years at Duke with Gail Guestin course when they kind of became the power um, that they did in women's basketball. Um, it was really interesting because as that was kind of going down, it was probably one of the hardest times in my life because, you know, most people know this, but in March of that year, I lost my father to lung cancer and I have been daddy's little girl since I could, can remember and that was probably the hardest thing when I was in California was when he got diagnosed with it. And he was actually with us in California when it happened. And so my world had kind of come to a stop, didn't know what was going to be next, what was happening. Let me try to, and, and Joanne was great and supportive through that whole thing because she knew. And, um, and, and, you know, as that started to happen, she was got her thing going on, but then I was starting to get information from, you know, I got in contact from Craig Kylitz at High Point and, I was actually over here in Roanoke, back in Roanoke to attend my father's memorial. Um, my mom waited a month to do that. We had to get her back to the East Coast and, and try to get her situated and kind of settled in. And so we were back for the memorial and I got a call to come down and interview at High Point. And so the day I was supposed to, Maggie and I came, my husband had to stay in West Coast. He was working at FedEx. 
um, like third shift while we were, you know, still kind of climbing the ladder and, and weren't really able to let him just be at home all the time. And so we, um, I ended up going in an interview and in the day I was supposed to fly back is when, you know, Craig called and, and wanted me to come to campus one more time and basically offered me the job right there on the spot. And I called my husband and said, you know, hey, got offered the job. I'm not coming back. And he's like, what? You're not coming back. And I said, no, you need to pack the house up and I got to start recruiting. I got to get a program together. I got to get a staff. And and he, you know, and, and very blessed because he, he took that on and was like, just don't be mad when I don't move the whole kitchen or I don't. And I was like, look, I am not going to be like that. So, you know, it was, it was kind of an interesting journey for sure. When we went to Memphis, we went to Cal, we, we drove cross country. We said, Hey, we're young. We've got the time. Let's drive cross country. We say we've done it now. Understand people thought we were crazy. We had a two-year-old and we had a 125 pound mastiff named Buckus, who was as cute as a button, but not to strangers. He wasn't. Nope. And we decided to drive cross country with those two. And people were like, you guys are that is a glut you know you're dude like what are you kind of trying to do and we had a blast I mean we had a good time we took five or six days and you know we'd stay in hotels and wear her out at the pool and then get in the car and drive and you know we went through Omaha got to see you know the college where the college world series is happening right now and you know there was just so many things went through Wyoming Laramie and Wyoming one of the one of our former worker co-workers at Memphis was there on staff so we got to revisit with some people and just really made a fun trip of it. So he thought we were going to do that again on the way back, but I was, I had different plans. So he, uh, he did have some movers come help him load the car, the truck, the U-Haul up. And then he put buckets in the front seat with him and drove cross country in about three days. <laughs> wow. You know, that May of 2011, like you talked about, you accepted the job at high point. Uh, as an alum, I'll say you were the best hire that AD ever made, but uh, uh -huh. You know, what other jobs were you considered for uh, or that you had put in for uh, prior to accepting the HPU job? Well, I had interviewed for three other head jobs besides being offered the UMKC job without even interviewing for it. Um, I, got, I had interviewed for Charleston Southern one time. I'd interviewed for Radford and I had interviewed for Austin P. Um, Austin P being probably the most difficult one I interviewed for. It was when it was shortly after Maggie was born. And, you know, I, I think I can say this now because of Adia Barnes saying this in opening these conversations up, but on my interview, I had to take my pump and I was, you know, I was, cause I was breastfeeding Maggie and I was away from her for two days. And on my interview, I was trying to navigate, how is this going to go? Um, but, you know, unfortunately didn't get offered any of the three, um, but, you know, big believer in God had a plan all along. And again, it went probably one of the lowest times in my life of not really knowing what, what, what our plan was. He brought me back home, brought me back to the East Coast. And my mom will tell you, as soon as all she ever did was pray that he would bring me back east of the Mississippi. <laughs> and so the High Point job, what a jewel, hidden diamond over there. Like, I'm telling you what, I didn't know it was what it was when I got there. And when I went on my interview, was blown away, was blown away by President Cobain. Um, I remember my first staff meeting over there. I felt like I was on an Oprah show. He's handing out gifts to everybody there. I've got a napkin taking notes because he's just given quotes and, and like I'm stealing stuff for recruiting and, and just, you know, so unbelievable uh, experience. And, and again, only, only there for 13 months and it took me 20 some years to get that job. But then within 13 months, my dream job opened and, and Craig Kylis, you know, again, so, so indebted to him and grateful for our relationship that he was a Wake Forest guy and understood Wake and knew as soon as that, that Coach Peterson had stepped down 
that do you want me to call Ron and find out if, if you're on the list, if, if they have interest and kind of from there, it happened pretty fast. And at a high point, you inherit a team that had a future WNBA player, Cheyenne Parker, plus all conference players like Shamia Brown, Aaron Reynolds. You know, talk about how you were able to get them to take that next step in their game. Yeah, you know, I, they were a great group to take over for. And again, as a first time head coach, it was kind of exciting to walk in and know, okay, I've got a pretty good point guard that is quick and can do score and do a lot of things. I've got a four player in this in that league that was just going to be really hard for people to stop. And then Cheyenne at 6'5", in that league was just young. I mean, that was it. Other than that, we were, and we had other pieces. We had a glue player um, that would play the wing for us. That was just a tough kid and really high basketball IQ. And, and I, I'll go back to one day when we were early in the, in the, in my coaching there, we were doing preseason workouts and I don't remember why it might've been storming outside, but the power went out in the gym. And I remember Aaron was like, she, like she stopped and was like, get ready to go to the locker room. I was like, where are you going? She's like, well, coach, the power's out. I said, you don't need to be able to see to dribble anyway, do you? And so we kept working. And I think from that moment on, they knew they were like, oh, okay, this is what, this is what we're about. And they just really embraced the fact that we were going to coach them. We were going to expect a lot of them. We weren't, we were going to push them, but we were going to love them and care for them. And, and, you know, to this day, I still stay in touch with Cheyenne, I, you know, when I'm on the road, luckily I've been able to go see her when she was in Chicago a couple of times with recruiting. Um, and then Shamia, you know, same thing. She's just traveling the world at this point. And then Aaron had been down in Charlotte and I've stayed in touch with her periodically. We went down there and played in the NIT a couple of times and she's been able to come to those games as well. You talk about the NIT, you know, when you were at high point, your one season there, uh, 20 and 13, your name, the Maggie Dixon, division one rookie coach of the year. And then you, you talk about you're, you're given that opportunity to coach a wake Forest. Uh, you earned it. Um, did you have a staff in mind during that, that movement in, in 2012? Well, I actually brought Deanna over here with me. And then a week later, Craig hired her as the head coach to follow me. So um, other than that, I did have, um, you know, a couple of people that I did, I had known that I had in mind, but the thing that got harder and harder as I, as I grew as an assistant coach is a, a lot of the people I had in mind hiring had already gotten head coaching jobs, or they were at a power five assistant that mm -hmm. they just weren't going to take that step down in salaries and stuff like that. And that was a hard thing because, you know, I would say 10 years into my assistant coaching career, I had picked out like who my assistants were going to be. And again, by the time I got my job, there was, they had already been head coaches or they were at Georgia or they were at Virginia already. And, and so I, I kind of had to kind of really dive in and look and, um, you know, got blessed with hiring a couple people that I both knew and had, you know, great basketball knowledge. And I knew that they were really going to take care of our kids and love them. And so that's, you know, I quickly learned as a head coach in this profession, the most important thing I do is hire staff. Um, you know, I'm, I'm big on hiring people that I'm going to learn from. I don't know it all and don't want to know it all. You know, I want people that are going to have great relationships and are going to invest in our kids every single day, not just as basketball players and, and you know, want to be a part of the family. And, and you know, that's been hard. It's, it's a really hard thing to do. It's hard to kind of you know, really dive into that and spend the amount of time you need to do to get to know people, to, to bring them into this family. And, and I've been blessed with some really good people. No doubt. And the ACC, obviously, men and women's basketball, some of the best coaching, some of the best players. Recently, you've seen the found success with recruiting internationally. 
was that intentional or, or did one lead to the other? Um, yeah, when we first got here, you know, we felt like um, we actually had a gentleman who's now the associate head coach at Davidson, uh, James Jansen, was coming over as a grad student from Australia in our health exercise science department here, which is, you know, world renowned. And, and he had reached out about just wanting to help out because he had been involved with Australia basketball. And so that was kind of our initial connection. He was really connected. He really worked closely with Gail Coates folks, who's the head coach at Davidson, kind of tied her into people in Australia that we really needed to get to know. We felt like as a, as a university, Wake Forest had such a world, uh, known recognized degree that it could travel and that meant a lot um, and so we really first devoted the fact that we wanted to recruit internationally we had a staff member who was invested in doing it and gail we had somebody who could connect us with the right people and then it was just a matter of if we were going to do it we felt like we had to be there we had to be able to go over let them see us not just a video thing we're not going to get a top level kid that we could get here in the states that way we've got to go and so Gail went over about six times and, um, and we got Alex Sharp was kind of our first Australian that we, we, we brought in. And then of course, then we got Elisa Pena and then we got Ivana Ratza and Christina Moore out of Canada. And again, we still really want to work in that area because I think that Wake Forest really is a, is a great place for an international young lady to come in and know and, and have a chance to thrive. It fits our system, the way we like to play. Um, and we really, you know, they, they come in and they're, they're usually very motivated on the academic side of things. And then they've played in a system overseas where they play against grown women. And here in the United States, there's no equivalent of what they do over there. Here, if, you, if you're a freshman in high school, the highest level you're going to play against is a senior in high school. Mm -hmm. If you're playing AAU, you may play two years up or two years down. But when you go to a club, like when I went over there as a 21-year-old out of Wake Forest, there was a 35 year old on our team who was a grown woman physical as it could be that had been playing ball for like I learned so much from those kind and so we have found that to be the case as well with some of the international kids we've gotten that they, they come in just ready to go day one definitely you know you're as wake force as they get <laughs> who's on your Mount Rushmore Demon Deeks oh boy uh Tim Duncan uh Honor Palmer of course uh, Tracy Connor, you know, Tracy is an interesting story for me because as a player, we were recruiting her. And so I got to see her at camps when she was younger growing up and was like really excited to see what she came and really thought she was going to break my records. But, you know, unfortunately, Tracy had these knees that just didn't allow her to really play a whole season. And then I have to put Dierica Hamby on it because she broke all my records. <laughs> but uh, there's so many that you could name. I mean, you could just go through the golfers alone to you know, and I didn't even go, I didn't even touch on football, but there's just a lot. How often do you, or did you attend practices for other programs in the athletic department at Wake? Uh, I wish I could do that more. I attend almost every game, home game there is, whether, you know, it might be going to football and then running from football to soccer to something else. We live less than five minutes from campus. And I love that because we can go home, grab, we have a great Dane named Piccolo, um, we have a little boxer named Marley. We'll grab them, take them to the soccer game and be up on the hill. Um, you know, go to the volleyball games. You know, I just, I think it's important for us to, you know, we really enjoy being, being there and, and cheering on the other teams and celebrating their big victories and going on the quad and rolling it afterwards. So 
you know, practices, I don't get into as much. Um, I can pop in men's basketball practice right outside my door now. So that one's a little easier. And then I will pop out on field hockey just because it's right outside our, our facility too. And then of course, Jen Averill is a legend with her three national championships and what she's done here and continues to do here. So, you know, I, I just think it's, we have so many great coaches and I think sometimes we just want to talk to people within our own our own world, like women's basketball, who's the great coaches I need to learn from, but you learn so much from uh, Bobby Muse, who's been top five for, I don't know how long now. And, you know, there's so many Dave Clawson, like, you know, I'd love to, I love listening to him give speeches to, you know, board of directors or whoever about, you know, he's, he's, he's one of the smartest guys I've ever been around. So there's lots we can learn just from even on our own campus, kind of a best practices. And when Barbara Walker was here, we used to do some of those. Like we would have once a month where we kind of get together and talk about best practices, recruiting, uh, you know, organization, whatever it might be, staff hiring, those kinds of things. How important is it for other coaches at the school and the athletic department to show support either, whether it's coming to your practice, coming to games, like how important is that to you, your staff and the players to see those other coaches and other athletes uh, come support y'all? Well, I think it's important because I think it also, your players go to those other games and stuff too. So when they see that you do it, then they want to do it more and that's their buddies and that's their friends. And, you know, we've got, you know, they come to our games and so we want to go support them. And, you know, I think that part of it is important because, you know, we, you know, we're or each other's biggest fans. We know what these kids give up and sacrifice to be successful here and we know what each of us is, you know, that we, that we fight up against, we go up against and, and we, we want to be there and, you know, be, be cheering them on with Julie Griffin, who's like the deacon of all deacons. And, you know, there's just plenty of people that really want to bring that family spirit and that connectedness that we, you know, you always feel. So, you know, it's fun to watch the, the runs that everybody goes on. And of course we all hurt when we lose those tight games. So. Yeah. You've gotten quite the little coaching tree going, uh, you know, Deanna at High Point, Gail at Davidson, uh, Coach at Coastal, and now obviously um, Coach Graves now, I guess, we're, yeah. we're her, but, uh, you know, Boston U. <laughs> Is that something you take pride in having, you know, coaches go on to be head coaches or uh, is that something you intentionally look for when hiring? Uh, it's something I believe in. I believe one of my one of my responsibilities as a head coach is to put people in positions to be successful. That's players, coaches, support staff, whatever position they are on our on our staff. My goal is to help them be successful in whatever they choose in life. And that's from our players coming in as players. They want to play in the WNBA. If they want to play pro. If they want to be, you know, a CEO of a company, then I how do I help them in that way? And so I I had the privilege of working for some phenomenal mentors who let my let me have my hands in everything and prepared me when I when I had the opportunity and so I do that same thing on my staff a lot of staffs are built where you know you're just a recruiter and you're just the x's and o's and my assistants do everything they do they do a little bit of scouting they all do recruiting they all they might have an offensive emphasis or a defensive emphasis but they all they they do player development um i have coaches who coach they don't just go recruit kids and then when those kids get here they just go recruit the next kids they are here from the recruitment of these kids to the development of them to the graduation of them to you know dane sparrow is still tight with dierica hamby because he was the video person when she was here and he would watch he would pull her in and be like you need to see this like what are you doing and and their birthday is the same day and so again it's it's just setting those people up to have a chance to move on and achieve their dreams of what I wanted to do was be a head coach some do some don't some don't want to be coach head coaches but 
you know, I've been very privileged to have, you know, people on my staff who've had a chance to go on and lead their own programs and have been very successful doing it. Now, Deanna's now at Miami of Ohio, you know, Mel just getting named the head coach there at Boston U. And then Clarice Garcia, who worked for me for two years before she went to Auburn, just got named the head coach at Charleston Southern as well. So, you know, and I've got a couple of my staff now, um, Aaron Dickerson, who I just named my associate head coach, you know, she had an opportunity this year she got involved with. So, you know, it's, it, it's, it's tough because I hate losing staff because they're part of the family. And when they leave, it feels like part of the family's leaving, but at the same time, we're really happy for them. And we celebrate their opportunities that they get to move on and, and lead their own program or, or whatever, maybe that, you know, that, that opportunity that, that kind of came their way, but it is tough to then fill their shoes. I bet. Have you ever had the itch to coach on the men's side? No, <laughs> I, I, I would hate to recruit the one and dones. <laughs> We spent a lot of time getting to know these kids and really investing in them. I struggle with the transfer situation because I just think, you know, when I played, you know, when you transferred, you know, it just wasn't what you did. It was, it was almost quitting. It was giving up. It was, you know, and it was, it was, it was not viewed as kind of a, the thing to do or a cool thing. And and now I think it's, it's just. Socially acceptable. Yeah. And now it's almost like, okay, cool. Where are you going? Send me some gear when you get there. And, <laughs> and, and I get like we, and I, and I don't think it's, I think it's bad on both sides. There's coaches out there that make mistakes and then tell kids that you got to go. Cause I made a mistake. We can't, you're not supposed to be able to do that. Um, but the men's side, I think is just so different because the one and done is such every men's player that comes to, it goes most places all think they're going to be a pro. And, you know, we want women's players who want to be pros, but they, the women, in my opinion, really, really, really value the education piece that they're going to get along with it. And that part I really like, and you don't deal with as many egos and some of that stuff. Now we've got some great guys here that I've gotten a chance to get to know. You know, we like to get to know the men's players because we interact and see them pretty regularly. But um, I, I, I like coaching the women's game. I like, you know, dealing with our players, our young ladies. I like the, the relationship I'm able to have with those guys. Talk about our mutual friend, Mike Muse. I know he's doing a great job getting the yes. women or the Wake Forest basketball alumni involved. Uh, even just, you know, in his first year, he was getting it on the men and women's side. How often does he stop by practice and office just to talk hoops? Oh, he stops by practice every other day or every day, even with COVID. Um, um, he's been a phenomenal addition, obviously just a, a, a great coach, great basketball mind, but also a Wake Forest person. And so his love of the game and love of former players and his embracing them and getting them back involved um, and spending equal amount of time with women's basketball as he does his men's basketball has just been so instrumental for us. Um, you know, and he, and he's, he's, you know, if he sees something in practice, he's, if you ask him, he'll tell you what he thinks. And, and, you know, and it's just another person that, you know, is talking basketball to you and, and you bounce ideas off of. I know he does it with my assistants too. And, you know, he was out, he went out, he wanted to go to the NCAA tournament with us. And, you know, he took his wife out there on his own to go. And, you know, that's just another, another example of a person that is so invested in what we're doing and in raising, not raising, but in, in partnering with these parents of these young ladies to, to put them in those places to be successful again. And, and, you know, he's, he, he's got such a wealth of experience and just a great personality. So I know our players really enjoy their interactions with him and, 
you know, in a non-COVID year, it's going to be fun to watch because I think now you're going to really get to see some of his relationships he's able to build with the alumni and those that are around and uh, just the things he's doing for us. How nice is it to just be mom when you go home? And I know your daughter's not really, you know, basketball driven AAU tournaments every weekend, kind of in the equestrian. Uh, you know, was that by design? Did you intentionally not kind of push her towards basketball? And just talk about being a mom. Yeah. Um, best job I've ever had. <laughs> best thing I've ever done. Uh, wouldn't trade it for anything and would walk away from everything else if that's all I, if I, if all I could be was mom. But, you know, I would say we didn't, we didn't push her to basketball at all because we knew she was going to be exposed to it quite a bit. Um, you know, she, she did soccer, she did volleyball, she did cheerleading. Um, you know, she did a little bit of everything. Uh, it's actually soccer that got her called into the equestrian, funny enough. Um, when I was named the head coach here, we put her in Tony Deleuze's soccer kids, kicking kids camp for a week. And there were a couple twins there that had been to Hidden K's um, horse camp and beginners, beginner horseback riding. And so, of course, they had one coming up and John was keeping her full time at that point. So he was all for some, you know, child care. And she has been riding ever since. Um, it is definitely her thing. We know very little about it. Um, you know, I'm just, when she stays on the horse, I'm like, yeah, that was great, honey. You look so good. But, you know, she'll come back and like, well, he didn't do this, 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 and this. And I'm like, okay. You know, and, and it definitely is her passion. It's probably going to be her lifelong passion. If she had it her way, we would live out on some land where we had a barn and could keep our horse, her horse there. And that she could run a barn one day. And now she is liking the basketball. She's excited to play for Reagan. She played JV last year. Uh, really got into it this past last summer well summer before last with our camp and then throughout the year um, but juggling the two is a little you know a little uh, interesting she has a show tomorrow a one-day show that we'll go to tomorrow and it's the first one we've been to in a while and, and as a mom I really enjoy like being outside and being able to just kind of be there as a as a as a as mom because I don't I can't tell her what to do I can't tell her how to do it I'll help her get him ready and all that kind of stuff but there's no, you know, talking about why didn't you run the play right? Why didn't you set a screen? Like, you know, they, she has a coach that does that for her with, with, with the horse as well. And so it's been fun to watch because she just loves it. And she's in her element when she's doing it. So that's awesome. Everybody wants to know which one of us was a horse person. Neither. <laughs> coach, we've come to the segment I call start bench cut. I give you three things. You start one, bench one, and cut one. Gotcha. Nike, Adidas, Under Armour. Start Nike, uh, bench Adidas cut Under Armour. Okay. Sorry, Steph Curry. I'm uh, I'm a Steph Curry fan, but not the Under Armour shoe fan. Cheryl Miller, Nancy Lieberman, Lisa Leslie. As a true post, I have to say, start Lisa, uh, bench Cheryl. I'll cut Lancy, but I don't think you could cut any of those. I'd be fired as a coach if I cut any of those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cookout, Chick-fil-A, in and out Ooh, those are all tough for me. I would have to start cookout just for their shakes, even though I'm not a shaky drinker. Um, Chick-fil-A, definitely bench, and then cut the in and out I guess that was a, I may have done that in California, but we're not big fast food eaters. <laughs> Drake, Kendrick, Lamar, Wale. Oh, and those, I, the only one I can tell you who is, is Drake. I'm a K-Love listener. Big, okay. Big, very Christian music fan, so. Okay, that's yeah. fair. 
Uh, players introduced me to some of those, but expl the explicit versions are not yeah. explicit versions, whatever. I have to turn all those on when we were in the gym. <laughs> uh, Love and basketball, Coach Carter, Hoosiers. Uh, oh, don't let my husband know. I would say start loving basketball. I have to say Hoosiers second, and then I'd have to co cut Coach Carter, but I love all three of those. All three phenomenal movies. movies. We actually just watched Remember the Titans with our team because we had oh. several of them tell us they had never seen it. Wow. Yeah, we were like, what? Coach, <laughs> hmm. who are three guests I should have on the podcast? Three guests you should have on the podcast. Uh, should these be Wake Forest guests? Uh, people, interesting background, kind of, uh, you know, insight, interesting journeys. Uh, yeah. Game. Well, I would definitely have to say Dierica Hamby. Um, I don't know how much people know about her story, but, you know, I was privileged to inherit her from Coach Peterson and his staff, but she was a big time softball player before she really ever even introduced herself to basketball. And then the player she's become, and not only that, but the mom she is also as a professional player the platform she has now for what she's done. Um, I just think her story is so intriguing. Um, another one would be, hmm. That, that's a tough, those are tougher questions. Uh, I would say, on the show. Hmm. Anyone from your coaching tree or? Well, Gail Coates will be an interesting one. And, and you know, she's, she's done a phenomenal job over at Davidson. She and I talk pretty regularly. Um, you know, I think she's, she's, she, she's one of the bright young coaches when I, and I actually met her when I was at High Point, And then when I got here, I was able to hire her right away from UNC Greensboro. But um, she's, you know, she, she's one that again is juggling kind of the motherhood and, and, and I would tell you that no player that ever played for her would ever, ever dreamed or thought she would be a mom. Uh, we used to call her Gracie. Uh, she would be very intriguing, very intense. A uh, lot of fun, great person, great, great family, family person and coach and kind of does it the right way. And then I would say, um, the other person I would say would probably be You know, one kind of off the wall one that was a was a big time was a you know a football player when I was here was Warren Beelan. Um, I just he and his brother were twins. I used to call them my brothers. They were my big brothers. Um, you know, he's had he went he was a coach here for a while and coached many places and you know has daughters now and grown up. But I just think as far as like what he the, the kind of man he is and what his what he stands for and. You know, I just, again, he's one of those genuine guys that to me is what you're, when you're talking about a Wake Forest is, is, is kind of what you envision at Wake Forest. So what's something, get back to uh, a couple of questions for you. What's something that you wish you knew earlier in your career as a head coach? Uh, I wish I knew earlier in my career, how hard it is to hire a staff. Um, you learn quickly, unfortunately, that a lot of people give gr these unbelievable recommendations for people because they're trying to get rid of them. And instead of telling you the truth, they don't want to get rid of them themselves. So instead of them just firing somebody or not, 
they basically push them off on somebody else. And luckily I kind of saw that happen throughout my career as an assistant. Um, so, I, so again, it's just, you know, I had a coach told me a long time ago, it's been probably four or five years ago now, be uh, slow to hire and quick to fire. And I struggle to fire anybody because I'm, I'm definitely a give everybody a chance and give you a second chance and find the positive part of whatever we're doing. So I, I wish I would have known exactly how, how hard that part is. Uh, I should have known because Joanne wasn't a fan of hiring. Debbie definitely wasn't a fire a hand of, fire, of hiring. I think Joy Lee enjoyed it. It seemed like she always was just that kind of person. And so I never thought it was that big of a deal like that. And then once you become a head coach and you start to realize how important the staff is and, and how much, you know, you like to come to the office every day and be around those people and how much they're around your daughter or your family and, and the other kids' families. So what advice do you have for uh, coaches either trying to break into the business or work their way up the ladder? I would say one of the biggest things is be willing to do anything and everything to get in. You know, like I was telling you in my first job, I was one of two assistant coaches. So there wasn't a video person. There wasn't a graduate manager. There wasn't an assistant coach. There wasn't a director of operations. I did everything. I did video. I did team travel. And you didn't complain about it. It was an opportunity to get your hands on everything and learn it. And to make wherever you are the best job in the country. So do the best at, if you are a grad manager, you're the best grad manager in the country. And to really just embrace those opportunities and the relationships, don't just be about work, be about building those relationships when you're there, because the impact you're going to have will leave a lasting impression on not only your, the players you deal with, but also the other staff members you work with. And just like we tell our players, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. So I tell our players all the time, like, well, you're at a football game and we entered, you know, you walk by and somebody says hello and wants you to stop and talk to them. That person may hire you one day. That, that kid that's asking for an autograph, like, you know, there's just so many times. And I think in the, these, these generations, they're like, well, you know, I had to wear so many hats this year. Be grateful that you had to wear so many hats this year. Be grateful your coach allows you to get your hands in multiple things instead of just being put in a box. Now, that's one of our big things here. And one of the things, again, I, I think I, I, taught, I was taught that young in my career was don't put people in boxes. Players do. Like we don't put a player in a box and say, you can't do this, this, and this. We want to push them out of their comfort zone. And we treat each one individually with their game on how to develop their game. It's an individualized approach, not a group, pro, group approach. That's great stuff, Coach. If listeners want to get in touch with you, social media, email, what have you, what's the best way? Wake Coach Jen is most of my social media, I think. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I don't understand the stories a whole lot. Uh, my daughter does a lot of that for me when she just grabs it. Mom, you haven't responded. You didn't post on somebody. So she's helping me. I'm not as flashy with that stuff, but I do enjoy the social media. Um, you know, I, I do. I do. I'm, I'm always up for you know, reaching out, talking to young, young people trying to get into the profession, mentor, you know, I have a story of how I did it. And, and it's, there's, there's a million ways to skin a cat. And I think there's a, a lot of different ways how you get into this business, but it is a business about relationships. It's not about X's and O's. No one's probably going to remember my, my record as a coach or my record as a player. They remember I went to the NCAA. They may remember that I was the, you know, we were first team to go back, but they're going to remember 
like a graduation, I'm up on the quad getting pictures taken with these kids and their families. The, you know, that I'm going to send them a onesie when they're, when they, when they have a baby, Melissa Covington, not even, well, Calicott now Covington just had a boy a couple of weeks ago. Like those are the things that you have to remember about this business. If you're in it to just coach basketball, you're in it for the wrong reasons, because we are teaching life lessons and raising, you know, helping these parents raise these young women into ladies and powerful women, I hope. You know, that's what I, my hope and vision is for them is that they all go out of Wake Forest, um, powerful women ready to lead the, the, the next generation, really. Coach, can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. Obviously, uh, followed your career really since you were at High Point. We were depressed and sad to lose you, but completely understand yeah. and uh, been really glad to see your success at your alma mater. Thank you so much. I mean, you know, it's, it's great. And I still follow high point. I got to get over and see the new arena. I haven't seen it. Uh, you know, I heard a lot about it and, you know, Nito is one of the first one to send me a note and a letter with congratulations when stuff, when, when I got my hundredth win and, and just different times. And again, it's, those are, that's what I'm talking about when you're talking about the impact people have on you, you know, that's, that's what makes this such a rewarding job. Uh, it's not the wins and losses. It is the impact that those people, and I, and I think that's where people get confused. They think it's the impact I have on them. For me, it's the impact they have on me. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Box Score podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave reviews, and rate five stars.